Good morning, Mike Broomhead. Uh, good morning, Jamie. Happy Leap Day. Well, yeah, ha- I forgot today is Leap Day. Do I you know all- any leapers or leaplings or no, whatever they call them? I don't. I, at least I don't think I do. I grew up with one, and hers is the only birthday I remember from my schoolmate. Now, my brother is an April Fool's baby. <gasps> well, that's an easy one to remember, too. Yeah, yeah, my brother's an April Fool's baby. And a uh, really true story, he was supposed to be a girl, so he truly was an April <laughs> Fool's baby. That's great. <laughs> His name is Brian, but he was supposed to be Kimberly Marie. He was supposed to be Brianne? Is no, that what you're saying? <laughs> he was supposed I don't know how they came up with Brian. He was supposed to be Kimberly Marie and he came home Brian. Yeah, my a, sister yeah. was supposed to be a Jeffrey. Yeah. Instead she was a Julie. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks, Jamie. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, happy Leap Day. I forgot this is the extra day on the calendar. Um, We are going to start off, obviously, talking about the big news of the day. The big story of the day, I think, is the fact that the current and former president will be at separate places in Texas on the border. President Biden is going to Brownsville. Former President Trump is going to be at Eagle Pass. Uh, They will obviously have separate agendas. They will have separate things to discuss. And it is something I think worth talking about. As a matter of fact, let's get to a report from ABC. This is Andy Field talking about the dueling border visits. It is actually dueling border visits in Texas. President Biden heads to Brownsville while the man who told House Republicans reject the Senate border deal, Donald Trump, visits Eagle Pass. White House spokesperson Corinne Jean-Pierre saying they could have already sent more money to fix the problem. Obviously, uh, Republicans have rejected that because of politics. Both Presidents Biden and Trump working to convince voters they have a better illegal immigration solution. So this is I was just having this conversation yesterday um, about this topic because there are going to be and it's interesting to me what is going to rule the day is it going to be. Uh, what the presidents are going to do as president, or is it going to be what's happening outside of the presidency to both of these men? You've got the Hunter Biden thing on one side, and I'm going to get deeper into this later in the show. Hunter Biden yesterday testified on Capitol Hill. There's questions about Joe Biden's involvement in his son's business and influence peddling when he was vice president of the United States. We understand that. We also know about the report that came out when they were investigating him for having documents he wasn't supposed to have, and they said he's got documents he's not supposed to have, but they're really not going to prosecute the guy because he comes across like a sympathetic old man that can't remember anything. On the other side of this, you've got legal issues with the former president and Trump. He has got court cases all over the country. The Supreme Court is going to hear one thing about immunity when it comes to January 6th. Um, You have all of these things outside of the presidency. But the one thing you're going to have in this campaign is you're not going to have one person with a resume and another one full of promises. You've got two resumes to look at. And when it comes to the border, I just think the biggest hill to climb is for the current president, and I'll explain why. And I think it's because over the last three-plus years now, we have watched a disaster develop on the border. And now they came up with a piece of legislation, and this is the— And I don't know how it's going to be defended by the Republicans because, you know, they have a a way of snatching defeat out of the jaws of victory. But if you think about this for over three years, this piece of legislation that was crafted in the Senate, and I agree that there were some things in it that were good. It was a great starting point, but many people saying it doesn't go far enough. So the president of the United States is going to go to the border today in Brownsville, Texas. This is a dangerous thing for him to do, not physically, but a dangerous thing politically. You're going into the belly of the beast where the border is 
in a very bad place. You are going to get at the in Texas at the southern border and you're going to say we could have had this fixed if the Republicans had signed that piece of or passed that piece of legislation. When everybody down there knows what it was like a few years ago, whether you like the policies or not, it was not nearly as bad as it is now. You're going to be talking to people that are either on the border that live there or that are, you know, and they're going to be in public service there, first responders, hospital workers, people that deal with this issue every single day. You're going to have Border Patrol people there, CBP people there. And are they going to buy what you're selling? I think that's a dangerous thing. On the other side of it, the former president going to Eagle Pass, how will he be received? Uh, you know, a lot his policies, the people on the left of the aisle called his policies inhumane, separated families and the treatment of children. But if this is going to be nothing but two photo ops and politics, it's going to be difficult it, it, because people, the American people are no longer looking at this as Republican Democrat because that's always been the fight. There are some that still are. But the people are looking at this as something needs to be done. And who's going to actually do something instead of giving us bumper sticker material? Uh, here's Jim Ryan from ABC talking about this um, and what people want. This city across the Rio Grande from Matamoros, Mexico, has seen the number of illegal border crossings decline. And while he is concerned about immigration, County Executive Eddie Trevino Jr. hopes to discuss other economic matters with President Biden. Our shrimping industry, our shrimpers, have been impacted for years from the importation of foreign shrimp. When Biden's Republican rival Donald Trump appears in the border city of Eagle Pass up the Rio Grande from here, the issue of immigration will be front and center. So the border issue, and I have some headlines in front of me, I always do, just to give you a taste of what everybody is saying today. The governor has headed into Mexico to talk about the relationship. That's the one of the three buckets is commerce and trade. The three buckets at the border, one is border security, the other is immigration. They are separate. They work together, but they're separate. And the third is commerce and trade. They all work together, but they are independent of each other. It has been for a very long time that the number one trading partner for the the economy of Arizona has been the nation of Mexico. The relationship has remained strong, even when we hear about all this nonsense with the immigration issue here and SB 1070 and these immigration bills and how it, the relationship has remained strong between the two countries. And the governor, good idea, go to Mexico, make sure that relationship stays strong, shore up the relationship, talk about issues when it comes to commerce and trade, and talk about the border issues and security issues if you can. But the governor is going there. Governor Hobbs is in Mexico. Um, Texas troopers recover five unaccompanied children in Eagle Pass carrying New York addresses. These children recovery uh, is happened the day before Trump is going to be in Eagle Pass. This happened yesterday. The area known for high levels of illegal immigration where the site of former President Trump's visit, um, Texas DPS said five unaccompanied children were in a group of 60 illegal immigrants that crossed the Rio Grande. The children and their ages ranged from 5 to 11 years old. 5 to 11 years old. When this was happening years ago under the uh, Obama administration, if you remember unaccompanied minors coming in droves across the border, they were they were categorized, they were separated by age group. And it was, what were we going to do? Had to find a place. Some of the kids were coming across the border all by themselves. I was there and saw it in McAllen, Texas. I saw it with my own eyes. 
And many of these children come here and they had a note in their pocket with an address of somebody that would help them. So while then the kids were uh, medically screened, they were fed, they were cl- they were given clean clothes and showers. And then they were set aside in, in, in cots, on cots and little tents until they could figure out how to get them where they needed to go. And then we were sending kids like we've been doing now. We have over 100,000 of these unaccompanied minors that we can't find. Now, there's many more than 100,000 in this country, but there's over 100,000. We have no idea where they are. This is a huge issue. And yet it doesn't seem to be the lead in the narrative. The way this nation feels about children being our greatest asset, and we do, and what we do to help children around this country, how is this not the number one narrative of the border crisis, of this border security issue? Between five and 11, five kids. Uh, Denver is scaling back migrant services, closing four shelters in an effort to reduce the budget and save millions. Uh, This is one I find infuriating, how Medicaid could help cover migrants' housing costs. The Biden administration's push for Medicaid to cover housing and other social needs come as blue cities and states overwhelmed by the number of immigrants arriving at the border. If you talk to somebody, anybody, that will be honest with you about the budget crisis in Washington, D.C., they will tell you that Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security are the three things that are the most critical in the U.S. budget. The, the programs, the promises we've made to retired Americans and their, you know, for their future, for their medical care in the future, for their financial care in the future, we've got to keep those promises. And all of those programs are going to bankrupt America if they are not fixed and addressed within the next 10 years. And that's not my numbers. That's what the numbers are. And here we are now saying not only are we allowing millions of people to pour into this country illegally, not only can we not find 100,000 children, now you're telling older Americans that the money that we are using to ensure your quality health care for the rest of your life is going to go to illegal migrants to house them. How do you how are you not outraged? I don't care what political party you belong to. How is it that you are not outraged by that proposal that it's possible that that may happen? This is just one of those issues that's making it worse and worse and worse. And so today's visit is going to be critical for both people. But we'll see. We will see how the president, the current president survives. Coming up in a moment, consumer confidence slips in the month of February. The economy continues to grow, although at a slower pace. We'll get an economic update coming here in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Happy uh, happy Thursday. It is Thursday, correct? Happy Thursday from the Mike Broomhead Show. We are going to talk a lot about the economy. Consumer confidence slips in February as anxiety over potential recession surprisingly reappears. This is, uh, this is fascinating to me and how this bounces back and forth. We're going to talk a lot more about this as the show goes on. Um, uh, by the way, just to as long as we're talking about this, because the stock market does kind of react to things that happen in D.C. Congressional leaders strike a short term deal to avoid a government shutdown. I know you're shocked by that. I know you're shocked. Amazingly, they're going to kick the can down the road a little further. 
Like that couldn't have been predicted. Um, I want to just let you hear about this and then we'll get a deeper into the economy. But this is an ABC News report about this. It'll be the fourth congressional can kick down the road. But this time the House and Senate have just eight days to make the permanent spending deal. Money for half the government runs out March 8th, the rest on March 22nd. And March 8th date could be a problem as it is the day after President Biden set to give his State of the Union address. Congressional leaders insist they have a deal on six of the spending bills now due in a week. So we are looking at a government, and this is why I started with this to talk about the economy. We, I talk about this often, and I, and I mean this sincerely to the, to the people on the other side of the aisle for me. I respect people and their opinions, even if I disagree with them. At least I try to. I'm going to defend my position as, as, as um, I would say, emphatically as I can. But when I, I look at the question, this question about how much money – we are giving our governments, local, state, and federal. That that doesn't seem to me to be a partisan issue, but somehow it's become a partisan issue. If you can get people to buy into the class warfare conversation, if you can get people to buy into punish the rich or the rich are trying to punish you, if you believe that, and that's exactly a lot of what we're seeing, I would submit to you that the government does two things that cause inflation. They print money. And they borrow money. And our government has done a lot of both. Notice I'm not just saying Democrats. Our government has done a lot of both. If you look at what we did because in a reaction to COVID-19, especially at the federal level, the money that was shelled out, the way it went out, and the fraud that was attached to it. If you look at how much of that money that was supposed to be COVID relief for businesses ended up in foreign hands that we can never possibly get back. We are printing money and we are borrowing money at an alarming rate. That causes inflation. But what you will hear from the administration is you will hear from them that this is because the oil companies are greedy and grocery chains are greedy and shrinkflation people are greedy and the private sector is greedy. And yet, if you look at the government spending, don't take my word for it. Go and look at government spending and growth in government. We've had we've had fantastic job growth in the private sector over the last few years. But if you look at, especially in the last few months, and I haven't gone back and seen exactly how many months in a row it is, in the top three sectors for job growth, government is one of them. The government in 2023 grew at a much faster pace than it did in 2022. The government continues to get bigger. The budgets continue to get bigger. And yet they complain about corporate greed in the private sector. If you can build up an enemy, so this is the great thing about it. You build up an enemy, you create an enemy, and then you're the solution to fixing the problem. It, it is, and I'm not, I want to be careful because the reason, if you go and read the Communist Manifesto, I've talked about this a hundred times. I'm not calling everybody on the other side of the aisle for me that makes policies a communist. But if you go and read the Communist Manifesto, it pits two groups against each other, the proletariat and the bourgeoisie. The bourgeoisie are rich, the proletariat are poor, and it's the rich that gets richer on the necks and the backs and the hard work of the poor. And who is it that's going to save the poor from the rich? It's the government. There is actually a section in that called the immiseration of the proletariat. That means it, what they say is there are people that just don't understand how bad they have it. So we're going to go and tell them how bad they have it. 
That, that is the immiseration of the proletariat. Here you are thinking, you know, you've got your uh, you've got your cable TV and you got your six pack of beer. You get to watch your football games and eat your nachos. And so you're just living a happy life until someone comes along and tells you you've got it terrible. And it's not your fault that you have it terrible. It's those evil people you work for. They're sitting in a bigger house, eating better nachos and drinking better beer than you are. And it's because of your hard work that that happens. That's called the immiseration of the proletariat. It's a part of how you divide people. Instead of in America, the way I still I've got this idealistic look at how our government was created. The founding fathers looked at this and said, we should all have a healthy suspicion. Do you believe that the founding fathers who fought shoulder to shoulder to win that war and then wrestled with the Constitution in order to put together the the Constitution and the Bill of Rights? Do you think that was an easy process? Do you think they all went in with like minds? They didn't. They fought like crazy. One of the reasons why it took so long to end slavery was because the founding fathers couldn't get to that point. It should have been in there. They should have fixed that at the beginning. But the point I'm trying to make is they knew that the only way a government could really work for the people is if the people had a healthy suspicion of the government. So instead of it being Republicans and Democrats at our cores holding hands and having a healthy suspicion of the government that we fund with our tax dollars, they've got us pitted against each other, rich against poor, black against white, uh, man against woman, uh, or and pick somebody that's you know non-binary. We're all fighting with each other, gay against straight, single against married. There, uh, we are segmented and we fight over the silliest things. We've got a government that continues to take more and more of our money, and then they have the audacity to say that the private sector in America is greedy. Therefore, the government's job is to take the money from the greedy. That's what they're doing. We have allowed our government to get too big, too powerful, too bloated with too much of our money. The spending bill should reflect a cut in spending, not an increase. In a moment, uh, Gatos joins me. It's our Big Q poll question of the day. We'll get to it in just a moment. The Gatos Big Q poll question brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Hey, good morning, Gatos. Oh, good morning. How's it going over there? Good. I thought I lost you there for a second. Oh, geez. Are you, am I okay? Testing yeah, one, no, two, no, three. Can good. you hear you're me good. okay? Yeah, I hear you great. Oh, gosh. Hey, uh, what does uh, Colorado, Maine, and Illinois all have in common? Uh, I don't know. No Trump on the ballot. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're 100% right. I was, matter of fact, I'm talking about that later. Huh. So here's my cue today. Uh, we've got an Illinois judge ruled that Trump should be taken off the ballot for the state's primary election, and they cite the January 6th attack on the Capitol. So I'm asking people, do you agree, you know, that Trump should be taken off the ballot? Yes or or no. I mean, I've you know my take on this, Mike. I mean, I told you, I, I, think, he, I think he created January 6th, and I think he led the insurrection. I think he liked what happened. Um, but I would never keep him off the ballot. First of all, it only helps him. People will rally behind him. And you know, second of all, is was there a court case that said he was guilty of an insurrection? Right. I don't think there was. I know there wasn't. So I don't think I'd keep him off uh, the ballot. Let the people just figure out if they want the guy back in the White House or not. And let right. the people figure it out. 
That's you know, what I, I would do. I uh, went after my party when they were going after Obama in the birth certificate. And I said, when, you fi- when you're trying to find a technicality, you're already proving that you lost. That we should be, as Republicans, mm. we should be trying to figure out how did he beat John McCain? How did he win a second term? From our political perspective, if we wanted somebody else, how did he win? Instead of trying to find some technicality to pull him out of office. And I think you're right. In this case, the technicality part of this, the argument defeat him at the polls. And there's there's still you know a chance that Joe Biden is going to do that. We don't know what's going to happen. But I, I agree with you in this, that we should let the people decide what's going to happen. Yeah. Let the people decide what's going to happen. You can, you know, you vote for whoever you want. Um, you can vote against Donald Trump because of what happened on January 6th. But I think that that it always comes down to the people. Mm-hmm. Let the people decide. I agree. Uh, and by the way, if this if this goes to the Supreme Court, they're going to knock this thing out. It's you know, I think Colorado, that's going to be in front of the Supreme Court. It's going to be it's going to be uh, a unanimous decision, from what I understand, to put him back on the ballot in Colorado. So this is not holding a lot of weight. It, it doesn't it doesn't fit. And I think a lot of people are looking at it and saying, well, OK, Donald Trump probably likes it, Mike. He's like, this is great. Yeah. This is great. It's just going to help me more. People are going to rally rally around me. Yeah, and the Supreme Court's going to hear his his uh, argument on immunity, and that right there could kill everything if they say that he had immunity. So we'll see. But you're right. I agree with you on this. It's a great question, and I'm anxious to see how many people still believe that he should be tossed from, not if he's guilty of anything, but should he be removed from the ballots? Great question. All right, man. I'll see you tomorrow. All right. I'll talk to you tomorrow. That is Gatos. And the Big Q poll question of the day is brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Just after nine o'clock, we are going to shift to crime. The stabbing suspect, the one that want that they want extradited to New York because he's had a crime spree in multiple states. We're going to talk about that. He's been indicted here in the Valley. What will that indictment mean? And will he be extradited? We'll get to that in a moment.